Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I don't know. Good good time to all the time zones. Howdy. Good morrow. <laughs> good morrow. Exactly. Good morrow to all. This is episode 26, recorded on June 11th, 2019. And our topic tonight is going to be the lore book, Ecdysis. I am Finally! your host. <laughs> I should have known to pause for that. He's been <laughs> dying to do this book. Um, I am your host, Mrs. Hyven. I am Elamist. This is Hyven. This is Guardians of Lore. We're going to guard that lore real good for you. All right? All right. Now, podcast news. We encourage the feedback on the Twitter. Um, but for real, <laughs> like normal people, <laughs> you can give us feedback on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at guardians underscore lore. Um, I am our Twitter handler, so I'd love to chit chat with y'all. Um, you can also send us emails at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com, which Elmas heads up. He'd also love to chit chat with y'all. And Hyven is antisocial, so we didn't give him anything to do. Um <laughs> No, we might start kidding. a Discord eventually. We'll see. Yes. Like, that's... like we, we didn't even give him a Snapchat or anything. Like, <laughs> no, no, nothing. Let's be honest. If we had a group Snapchat, it would just be Callie and Kona. It's the only thing worth posting. Except for yeah. right now, she's, she's trying to eat the covers. So she's not very smart. That's not your food. It's just some covers. All right. Moving right along. Leave that crazy to be. I also do appreciate everybody who was who was concerned for little Miss Cal's. Uh, she is doing better now. Um, I had a couple scrapes and whatnot, but she's, she's healing up well. Um, and that's podcast news, everybody. That that's part of that. All right. So next week we will be going over the invitations of the nine. So we're going to be doing that episode, and that's kind of why we've been prepping with these particular lore cards. Um, the week after that will be the lore tabs for the armor and weapons of the Trials of the Nine. Um, so it might be just a hair shorter. We were talking about it than our, than our normal episode, but I'm sure you guys... We also decided that we might throw our speculation to that episode, so it might not be as short So as never mind. But that might make Ignisus a little shorter. <laughs> right? It will. Yeah, yeah, it will. So never mind. They're going to rant and rave about all of their thoughts on that one, and... Next and we'll all get is... that. Yes, speculation of the nine. The monster is at You mean the door. week after the next? Yes. Yeah. Invitations of the nine and then speculations of the nine. That's our, our rundown for the next <laughs> couple weeks. All right. So then just a reminder that after that, um, after speculations of the nine, um, we're going to be going on a small summer break and we'll return on July 16th. Um, conveniently enough, we're all just so synced up that we planned our vacations for the same time. So, go team. Cycles I mean, obviously, obviously, Hyven and I planned our vacations for the same time. That'd be weird if we did it. Yeah, I was supposed to have that separate vacation from you. Actually, I have those. They're, I take off time to game for a long period of time. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't want to be there for that. When new stuff comes out, exactly. He'll be yeah. taking another vacation like, in September. Content drop day. Yep, yeah, exactly. 
All right. And then lastly for podcast news, um, we'll be getting a new Twitter poll out for what we're going to be covering once we get back. So just be on the lookout for that um, because we definitely like your guys' opinions. Again, the way we're going to be doing these and formatting them is we're going to post um, four – excuse me. Had a little burp there. We're going to be posting four different um, lore books, and it's not that the one that wins is – wins has the most votes is going to be the only one we cover it's just going to be going over the order in which we cover them from most votes to least votes so it'll cover the whole next month so just remember if you see something in your torn just pick what you want to hear first we'll still be covering the other ones that way everybody's got a shot exactly that way like you don't be like i liked dust but then we you know didn't do dust for like two months which we didn't because we decided right as we did that poll that we were going to do it this way um but anyways this is going to be the new consistent format for um how we pick our um episodes and our topics so again just you know monthly be on the lookout for those and um yeah, if there's anything you guys think would be uh, fun to add to change that format or any suggestions um, or anything you're looking at, like wanting to get in maybe next month's poll, just let us know. All right, so moving on to stuff you may have missed in Destiny. Everything. Right? Um, All the things. Yeah, basically. So, Season of Opulence has begun, and... First of all, congratulations to all the teams that completed the raid on the first day. Um, who got Worlds first? Esoteric and uh, Team Be Bold. Yeah. There we go. So congratulations to them on Worlds first. Um, poor Data with his silver medal there. Uh, but yeah. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Exactly. Exactly. Um <laughs> And, you know, it's sad, though, like, I know he came in second because of, like, the whole kerfuffle, and I don't even know who actually got Worlds first. Like, that's how much of a splash that made. Um, oh, look. I think it's underneath there, actually. Yeah, I didn't even see the bullet point on Raids Worlds first. I just, I just did that on my own, you guys. You can't see, but I have a really proud look on my face. Anyways, I'm just going to oh, read we're it. we're definitely Alan proud. Alamus put it in there. He said, extra congratulations to Esoteric, Carolina Gamer, and the rest of the fire team for being world's first to complete the new raid. I really said that horribly. But he wrote it with exclamation points, and we are excited and congratulatory. So, whoop. No work on it. <laughs> All right. But um, another thing for stuff you may miss in Destiny, there have been a lot of changes that have been revealed by Benji. So um, some of you may or may not have seen their stream recently. Hyun uh, and I watched it during one of my sick days this past week. So I'm even up to date on it, which is pretty exciting. Um, but anyways, all of these changes, um, I believe it's been confirmed that they'll be coming starting September 17th, 2019, with the start of the new season for Destiny Shadowkeep. Yes, but they uh, also talked be... about a lot of just stuff for the future, so not all of it's yes. for dates given. Exactly. I think specifically the bullet points we have here are what is happening on September 17th. 
but there are a lot of other things that are potentially coming up. If you haven't had a chance to watch a stream, um, I definitely suggest it. Just staying in the loop, getting to know all of those content creators that are at Bungie. Um, it was just cool to watch, cool to get some, you know, personal look at them and whatnot. All right, so yes, Shadowkeep is the next expansion for Destiny. It marks the return of... Eris Morn. Thank you. I knew I was going to say it wrong. I thought the bullet point was going to be like, we're going back to the moon, but that's not what it was. And then it I is, got really though, also, so. But well, we, and are we are going, going back to the moon. You can say that. <laughs> yeah, we are going back to the moon, you guys. So super exciting. Um, and one of, I think, the Hyven household's favorite point is cross-save. Hyven no longer has to be torn between which platform to play on. So we're very excited about that. Um, of course, that started the, well, what do I play for the next three months until it comes out? Because I don't want to play both debate in our house. And that's been... It wasn't a debate. I just have <clears throat> hundreds of hours like in Xbox and everything's done. So I decided I needed to finish the newest season on Xbox also, yeah. since it would all go to PC. But then it turned into, I don't want to lose my motor skills on PC. But it's okay. It's okay. We figured this out, you guys. <laughs> All it means is he just upkeeps his his Xbox characters and then you know play a little bit on PC until the actual PC cross saves bit happens and then he just takes yeah. his Xbox Guardians with him everywhere. Yeah, then he's good to go. So um, yeah, which is awesome. Um, again, this yeah. It's, you're picking one platform to kind of save across all of them if you have multiples. It's very exciting. And um, speaking of PC. Yeah, you take it. No, you take it. <laughs> uh, Destiny 2 is moving from Battle.net to Steam. That I'm, I'm really excited about. So we know what was exciting in the Elemist household. Well, the cross saves too, because I, I don't want to have to grind everything out again on a PC. So does that mean you're coming back to PC, Elemist? I'll hop between the two, between Xbox and PC. Yeah. All right, and something I am super excited about as somebody who is not a frequent player is Frequent flyer? That you yeah, that's what almost came out. Um, is New Light. Um, it's kind of awesome. I really enjoy why they're doing new light um basically bungie's whole thing has been wanting to play you know playing with your friends they're very into playing with your friends and i think this personally for me my opinion with this it shows that destiny or bungie is not just like we want you to pay for everything and we want just all the money all the money all the money um because they're basically what they're doing is they're stripping that away so all of your friends who maybe didn't start with destiny at the get-go can come in now um hop up to an accurate light and not necessarily have to play through every single season to be able to play what you're playing right now especially because you've already played all that you've already put all your hours into it so why in the hell are you going back and doing it with them again like that's just not you got enough to grind as it is you don't have time to do that so then they're playing alone until they can get up to it and why would they do that either so it's really helping bridge that gap for new players and old players. And that way, you know, friends who've been playing for a long time or people who may have trailed off for a bit can come back in and play. Um, I know personally, we already have one friend who, um, you know, is just already 
obviously new light hasn't even started, but he's already so excited about some of the changes. He's kind of hopped back on and is, is working his way through. I think he's almost done with like all of the side missions in Forsaken. Um, so that was just exciting to see somebody just come back. just unlocked the Dreaming City for him yesterday. Yeah, so that was really exciting. Nice. And I know Hyven's excited to have just another friend. It's funny, though, because um, this friend in particular, the first time I ever played Destiny was actually at his house with him and Hyven. So um, I'm, you know, that was my first. I remember D1 that was my, days. Yeah, that was my first, like, Destiny experience. And Put a controller horrible. in her hand in a crystal <laughs> match and taught her to play. And she was like, I, I killed someone. I was like, you got an assist. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> It was horrible, but I mean, anybody who plays with me now knows it's pretty much still the same. Not a lot of improvement. Hey, you were a great Crimson <laughs> partner. We really, we really hit our hit our stride there, especially when we got paired up. against the same people like five times in a row. We definitely cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed Crimson doubles. Um, so we have, um. Still a couple more bullet points before we kind of finish everything out here. Um, let's see. I don't think we already discussed it. Yes. Thank you, Elemis. She's helping me out with the notes here. So Destiny 2 um, is coming to Google Stadia. Bungie is partnering with Google. Um, again, there's so many new things. Like We could go into a bunch of different like what ifs and what does this mean. Um, there's just so much going on, uh, and I've already given opinions on some of the other bullets. So I don't. That will not be September seventeenth because Google Stadia does not come out till October. Well, that's a good point. Thank you. Excellent. It might be a launching title for for Stadia, though. I, yeah, it's. I think it's. Yeah, it's one of the launching titles. So that's pretty exciting. I'm pretty sure it's October. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So a lot of stuff is going on. Um, Super exciting. Um, it, it's yeah. been an impactful been week. Like, yeah, we've just been like swimming in new this week. And um, yeah, it's E3 week. Guys. Yeah, all that gaming stuff is happening. Yeah. And Destiny, of course, is just another one that's keeping up with the times, man. It's pretty awesome. I'm really excited for Cross Save, most importantly. The new expansion looks pretty fun. I'm excited to yeah. uh, get a little glimpse of all those old. Nightmares coming back and having Mrs. Hyven see all the old raid bosses and stuff that I played for so long, so much of my life that I spent on them in D1. Right. <laughs> all right. So this week in Destiny, now we've moved on from the stuff you may have missed from all the crazy news and excitement. Um, but to this week in particular, outside of all of the craziness. Because today is, is weekly reset and we're getting this out a bit late. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, we have the new Menagerie boss. Um, that's all that bullet point says. So I have nothing else on that one. And apparently, we go on the search for the truth. And this is a pun that I don't understand. Truth um, is the weapon. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's right. it's Capital a rocket light. launcher named Truth an exotic quest for truth it's an old d1 favorite gotcha that's why it was capitalized that's why right after i am so funny oh man um, i didn't write that, on that point. i'm okay. proud of that one <laughs> okay so that is all of our news 
But before we started recording, I said that this was going to be a good one for me to host, primarily because this is probably about all the amount of talking I'm going to be doing. These two are going to go off on crazy tangents later, uh, so you'll be hearing plenty for them as we continue into this podcast. Um, so a brief intro into the topic this week. Um, so again, we're doing the card Dices. It, uh, this showcases the evolution of the emissary of the nine through her many births. And it is obtained by doing the invitations of the nine. So we have words to look out for. You don't. That's just for you. That's not for them. No. That was my favorite segment last week. Words to it's, look not out a, for. it's not a segment. It's just to help you to learn words that you've never seen. Nope. It's a segment now. It's my new favorite. Which Yang Liwei, you guys, we already did. We did it quite a bit in the Marasena. So yeah. screw you. I know that one. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense phonetically. What are we saying her name is? Nasia Sarwa. Nasia. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten Nasia from that. I need like an I there. Anyways, Nasia Sarwar. You guys are going to hear Not what Nasia, I think. It's just Nasia. 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 So it is almost spelled just how it sounds. Quadrilingual? Mm-hmm. I think I could have gotten that one. But thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it stumped me for a moment. So I was like, yeah, let's just put that up there. <laughs> and then we have Nasan R. Goal? I thought it was goal. That different? That's G-A-U-L, isn't it? G-H-A-U-L. Go away. Never mind. I didn't ask. Go away. This next one is going to trip you up Nam-chi. a bit. Namchi. Namchi. Considering yes, it's... It looks like Namki. Yeah. Right. I've also seen Namki. And I know a list. Bungie actually said much. that name, so... I just don't remember how they pronounced it specifically. I know that one. Well, and like the only reason They're I know. They're the ones that cut off their arms, right? Yes. Nailed it. I'm learning, you guys. What, Elixir? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the fallen. Well, and like the, so the only reason I know Namchi was because the emissary has in game quotes about Namchi. She says it. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so those are our words to look out for, or as Elemis has them, potentially problematic words. <laughs> New favorite sub, or I was going to say subheading, but no, that's not right. What did I say <laughs> earlier? Segment. Segment, there we go. This is why we don't record after work, you guys. Too tired. I, you're, you're the worst. I want a divorce. <laughs> Ivan literally just put in oh god dang it you're worse too Ivan puts yeah. in four Mrs. Hyven and highlights it and Elemis oh and bolds it and Elemis underlined and italicized it uh, you said it's your new favorite that was what I that was all we were doing uh-huh 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 <laughs> whatever well Elemis you have the first read, so enjoy the curse of the first reader. Elemist has the conch. <laughs> All right. 
I'm covering seeds and cuttings. Entry one. On the day she boards the Yang Liwei, they call her Nasya Sarwar. She carries in her knapsack an unopened letter from her brother, her mother's ashes, a selection of seeds and cuttings from her favorite neighborhood trees and plants, and some 30,000 songs and short videos on a hand-me-down myoelectric augment. On the ship's manifest, Nasya Sarwar is one of two dozen classless scopares, trash collectors and composters and caretakers devoted to endlessly tidying the many surfaces and people within the Yang Liwei that cannot or do not clean themselves. She hopes through hard work and perseverance she will prove herself worthy of one of the ship's remaining civilian cryopods. Or, even better, a promotion to an otterge position, where she believes she'll find the freedom to devote her waking hours entirely to the loving care of the ship's hydroponics facilities. Nasia is quadrilingual. Several of her fellow Scopares are not. Born monolinguals who got lucky in international exodus lotteries, just like she did. When they realize that she can speak to some of them, they do their best to befriend her. They share meals. They show her photos of the loved ones they left behind. They explain the function of the ship's many impossible machines. In turn, she does her best to teach them how to speak to the others. In this way, they are all a little less alone. She is 27 years old. Entry 2. On the day she awakens in the distributary, she names herself Nasan R. She carries in her hands a small silver jar. A dent has crushed its lid. It is impossible to open. She does not know its provenance, but she feels an inexplicable tugging of grief in her chest when she thinks about walking on without it. She makes herself a home under the largest tree she can find. In the early days, it is little more than a lean-to and a campfire, but she shares it willingly with whoever passes by. Her guests help her transform the lean-to into a proper cottage with several guest beds. One cottage becomes two, then two is three, until three becomes a village. Nasan loves her guests and friends. She loves her little ramshackle community, but she never wished to become mother or mayor. Whenever they gather in the evening for dinner, she feels claustrophobic anxiety pressed tight around her. She is shackled to the earth by all these people that she loves, and she has no words to explain her own restlessness. She feels monstrous. Why doesn't she love this? Why doesn't she want to stay? One clear night, amid the honey-heavy smell of spring flowers and recent rain, she takes her silver jar and goes out into the dripping dark.
Entry 3. She wanders. She tries on lives like she is trying on city-tailored fashions. For a few weeks, she is a corsair. Then for a whole summer, she is a field hand. When she tires of that, she balances books for an atom merchant who trades in radioactive materials. Nothing holds her. Seeing her silver jar, one man suggests she may be a treasure hunter. The idea sends her deep into a subterranean cavern where she finds no treasure, but instead bioluminescent worms and a paladin who calls herself Sure Ido. If you're looking for a job, Sure says, I should introduce you to my boss. Entry 4. On the day Nassan finds her calling, the diaserm styles her a translator. It confuses her, because the speech is the speech. Variations have developed over time, but none are so distant from each other that two awoken from around the world cannot speak to each other. What do you mean? Nassan asks. Well, the diaserm says, I've been watching since you arrived. People look to you when they're fighting, and you try to understand each side before you try to help. When you speak, you do it deftly, without condescension. She considers Nassan. It seems to me that you lend people grace when you help them explain themselves. A little candle of pride flickers in Nassan's throat. That's just mediation, she says glancing away. Don't sell yourself short. Anyone can break up a fight. Few people can so clearly grasp the spirit of a thought, then rephrase it so that deaf ears hear it. Gifts like that can end wars. Thinking on that, the diaserm sobers. We'll have to keep your talent to ourselves for now. The sanguine would just as soon cut out your tongue. Entry 5. The theodicy war is a fact of life until it isn't. The killing stops, but the wounds remain. Nassan helps the awoken mend. Her friends urge her to speak publicly, to help people on a grander scale. But Nassan believes the most effective change happens in groups of fewer than 10. So this card introduces us to our main character, uh, Nasia Sarwar. And she was just a little old passenger on a ship called Yang Liwei, minding her own business. Of course, we know what happened to that ship, uh, but we learn uh, in the Maracena, we heard about Alter's positions on the ship and what they did, uh, but here we find out that there were uh, other positions. The uh, Scopiaries or Scopiaries, basically, it sounds like they basically just won a lottery and they were just the kind of the bottom of the barrel uh, trash collectors, people who got to make it on to fill out the crew, and they're just working, hoping for a spot in one of the cryopods. Jeez. 
insane right now. <laughs> so we see Nasia here um, is liked among this group of people, uh, specifically because she's quadrilingual. And so she's able to communicate with a lot of people. And they view this as like, a, you know, a joy kind of unifies them. And she, they teach her things about the ship. Um, she says that her joy or her goal is to be, she wanted to deal with the ships. Was it the hydroponics? Yep. Yes. She wanted to care for the ship's hydroponic facilities. But she's on this ship with a note from her brother little, from her yeah i was gonna say little but it doesn't actually say her brother and her mother's ashes which are uh sealed in a as silver we jar. know a silver jar um because we see then of course just like everyone she's turned into an awoken everyone on yang lingway not everyone in existence let me rephrase that and she wakes up in the distributary she starts going by uh nasan r and she still carries a small silver jar, but at this point, the did uh, the the lid has been crushed by a a dent in it, and uh, she can't get it open. So she just kind of has it. She knows that it's important to her, but she has no idea though, what it is. I'm surprised though that she isn't trying harder to open it. I mean, she's got a pretty crazy life going right now. I don't know if I, that's probably the first thing on her mind. She probably was just like, "This means something to me." But I'm also glowing. <laughs> I think that takes precedence. <laughs> and and not in like the everybody's excited way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not in the uh, she's pregnant kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then so then we just kind of see that she doesn't really know what to do in this world. She feels like She's pulled in all these different directions. She tries being a Corsair. Uh, what does it say? She is... Well, first she kind of puts together a little bungalow town. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, it says she starts, she just builds a little lean-to, and people kind of come up and add to it. And um, But she doesn't, she just doesn't like that. And then she tries so a couple odds and ends. You. She tries a bunch, right? She tries a bunch of odds and ends, and eventually... Decides uh, to explore some caverns and runs into no, who else but Shir Ido. And this is when Shir is still loyal to the uh, Diasrum. So, so before she tries to kill Mara. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we see that the Diasrum is still her boss. As she says, let me introduce you to my boss. She does. And so now we see Nissan working for the Diasrum. Um, and she tells her that she has a fine gift, and she tells her she will be a translator, and not because not a translator of language we see here, uh, because at this point all the awoken have basically the same language. Um, there's different slangs, but as she said, there's no need. So she's curious what she means, and she helps her to appreciate it's the fact that she has a grace for explaining the emotions and thoughts of people. Uh, so she's more of a diplomat kind of position. Yeah. And, of course, we see a little bit of the the Theodicy War. Of course, the Diasrum doesn't trust the Sanguine, so she says she has to keep Nisan away from them, and blah, 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 blah. You know, all that fighting we've talked about before. Um, but, yeah, 
after the theodicy war people urge her to speak publicly to become a more of a larger like political figure uh, but she decides not to we see that she believes that most change can happen in smaller groups she says fewer than 10 so very different personality from mara or Sheer or the dais room or any of these people that we've seen she's definitely seems very humble and um kind of keeps to herself but that makes sense i mean we just discussed she's kind of come from pretty humble beginnings you know mm-hmm. so it fits with you know her background yep yeah so that's kind of we just get a little introduction to who this character is um just keep in mind that this jar is important obviously we know what's in it she does not that'll follow through her through the story and just keep track of names is not going to be the first name she uh oh yeah right. <laughs> so she starts as nasia and now she's the son as an awoken so nasia was her human name the son is her awoken name so there so birth the same person one. though <laughs> birth number two yeah basically yeah i don't know anything you guys want to add or rebirth a... number one that's true yeah, it would be birth number two, rebirth number one. She's an exo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, anything else you guys want to add to this? It's kind of just a, real, a little bit of an introduction into her as an individual. I'm good. I'm ready to move on. Same Z's. All right. Well, we will continue on. And I've, if it wasn't clear, these are all journal entries. So even though this is a new card, they're just going to keep picking up with entries. Eventually we'll see. I think we do we see it skip? Actually I don't I think don't it ever believe so. I don't, I don't think, think it ever skips. There is no so these are... there is no entry skip, yeah. but there is time skip. Yeah. 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 And so while I might be reading a new card, I am still basically following in the journal entry right after elements. So they're kind of just divided. Um that's what all these different entries are. Alright, so I will read our next card, which is Chords of Meaning. Entry 6. She is standing in a crowd of thousands when Mara Sov tells the Awoken about the dying world they abandoned. The idea sucker punches her, one crippling jab to every tender part of her. For four sleepless nights, she can scarcely draw a breath without gulping. She holds her silver jar to her forehead, focusing on its cool, constant weight, and knows that she must leave. Entry 7. She finds her old friend, Shear. Amid the feverish departure preparations, there is somehow time for an introduction to Mara. Hassan makes a pledge of herself and her skills. She will do what she can to convince those who might stay behind. No, Mara interrupts with a bite of unsweetened tea. I would not ask that of you or anyone else. Hassan hesitates. Help those who have already made their choice, whatever it is. Help them with the grief. She clasps Nassan's hand. The stress around her eyes eases. That's more important. Entry 8. The exodus is absolute in its terror. Nassan has never felt such a profound sense of schism, not when leaving lovers, nor communities, nor cherished hiding places. As the distributary shrinks behind their halls, 
She looks down at the little silver jar in her hands and wonders who she left behind in the world they're returning to protect. She wonders if they might still be alive. Entry 9 Sure is as plain and ready a companion as she ever was in the Deiserum's camp, but Mara is an enigma. Masan feels drawn to her, not by her porcelain beauty, but by her onion skin layers of defense. There are so many different truths that ring through Mara's carefully chosen words, chords of nuanced meaning that she feels she might be able to separate out into cleaner notes or frightened minds craving simplicity. She does what she can. In quiet hours and fragmented conversations, she becomes an unconventional counselor to the would-be queen. When the first fragile attempts at rebuilding society run afoul of the long, unquiet night, then the discovery of the traveler and the fallen, and then the inevitably turn to riot and desertion, Nisan goes to Mara again to pledge her services. Let me go after them, she begs. Not a day after the proclamation that they all hear in their skulls instead of their ears. I don't mean to change their minds or convince them to come back. I just... Then what do you mean to do? Sure asks curiously. Mara watches her with ageless patience, waiting for her to find the words. Nisan purses her lips. I want them to understand that you are, that you, that you are good, that you aren't what they think. Seeing Sheer bristle, she holds up her hand. To her relief, Mara makes a slight warding gesture as well. And if they know that and still wish to live apart from us on Earth, that's fine. That's their choice. I don't need them to understand that, Mara says softly. There's the faintest husk of grief, grief in her steady voice. No, Nasan agrees, relieved that Mara is willing to consider this truth. You don't. You have the courage to be disliked. That is uncommon. But it is just as important, sometimes, to cultivate goodwill. Especially if you have forgotten what it feels like to not know everything, she thinks. Mara looks away. Nisan watches closely and thinks that perhaps she has been heard. Sure shifts her weight impatiently, tired by all this meaningful silence. It has been a long 19 hours. If you go, Mara says finally, you cannot come back. Nisan hears the truth in it. She reaches to clasp Mara's hand. Of course. Entry 10. So she goes to Earth. She carries a survival kit, a hunting rifle, and the tarnished silver jar that has followed her throughout her whole existence. She finds no awoken as she wanders an empty prairie. She spreads no gospel. It is not two weeks before a band of risen, wild with fear of themselves, each other, and the unknown, Ambush her lonely campsite and kill her in her sleep.
Well, all right then. Story over, right? Just kidding. Right. Two cards in. Story's over. <laughs> I read this one to Mrs. Hyven when this happened. She was like, what? I was like, yeah. I didn't expect it either. <laughs> um, no, I mean, all great entries. Helps us to see kind of what happened, why she's not further in the you know, story of the Awoken once they get back and everything. Um, because she goes with the Earthborn Awoken. Becomes a part of those. Um, and, well, eventually dies. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. But we see a lot about her personality, though, in these cards. Not just that she died, but who she is. Um, she continues on to want to help people. Then um, they talk about some of the stuff that we've talked about. Um, the what is it? The long, unquiet night that we talked about, where everyone was basically really, really uneasy. Uh, we talk about the event when Mara, people could basically hear Mara's thoughts in their heads. Um, the Civil War as they try to launch off ships and break away. Uh, we see her being through all that um, kind of almost like Civil War. The discovery of the Traveler, uh, the Fallen. We talked about Aldrin running in, being attacked by a Fallen. Uh, she was there for all of that. And we see that she asks Mara, basically, that if she can just pledge her service to Mara. So she is very loyal to whoever she feels is, I think, the best for the people as a whole. And so I think that says a lot about her. I think she just wants to help people. Um, she doesn't even want to convince them not to leave. She just wants to convince them that Mara is at least trying to look for everyone's well-being. Um, so I think she she just wants everyone to be happy, and she does she doesn't like I think the the fighting that's going on. And even though she knows she can't change it, she's using her gift of of speech and conversation and emotion to try to kind of bridge I guess the gap between the two people. At least that's what she hopes to do. As we see, unfortunately, she finds no awoken. She spreads no gospel. She's murdered. <laughs> yep. Um. The one thing I wanted to point out, so the last entry that I read, entry five, it talks about the Theodicy War, and like it just ended. But the very first entry that Hyven read is talking about when Mara tells the entire Awoken population in the distributary um, that, oh yeah, we need to go back to the dying world that we abandoned. So, like, there is that time jump. Yeah, I kind of just thought that, like, she was so busy. We know what, like, the diastrum, we still don't exactly know what happened to her, but, like, all the fighting and all the plotting and manipulating, she was probably so busy just in the background because she was almost kind of part of the in crowd between behind all this craziness that oh, yeah. I doubt she had any time to even think about writing a journal. Well, and, and even then, like, I don't know if these are actual journal entries from her or if this is just like an episodic thing where we see her life because it's talking about her in the third person. Yeah, that's true. 
That is true. These technically aren't journal entries. Um, they're just entries into her. These are not really, I guess perspective is important. These, we don't really get the perspective. These are kind of a fourth wall kind of stuff. You know, some of the stuff we get are uh, biographies. You know, we have letters like from Cade that he writes. Uh, we have stuff from the Vanguard. We have the Mara Sinna that was written pretty much by Mara. We really don't know where this stuff comes from. This is just, as far as we know, just told to the uh, to us as players and readers. Does that make sense? We know some things in the game world, like the game world, the people in the game know about. This is one of those things that we only know about, I would, I would argue. This is not something that is like a story in game for everyone to know, which is, I think, why a lot of later theories and things kind of come to pass because of identities of people and all that kind of stuff. Yep. All right. Well, I'm ready to move on. Me too. To get to, to my favorite incarnation of her. Yep. All right. So she's just been killed. Next card. Risen. I keep looking over at the computer like you guys can see me, but you can't today. This is pointless. Anyways. <laughs> Entry 11. On the day her ghost resurrects her, she asks him for a name, and he calls her Orin. He asks her for a name, and she calls him Cole. Maru Deep Instinct drives that decision. She could not declare its etymology if someone held a knife to her throat. Cole explains that there is a settlement a few days' walk to the east, that there is no road, and that the wilderness is regularly patrolled by roving aliens who will try to kill them both. As he speaks, Orin looks around. They are surrounded by a young forest, vivacious with birds and clouds of gnats. It is impossible to imagine that a deadly alien might be lurking somewhere nearby, but Gol found her. Gold knows more about the world than she does. She trusts him. She scavenges the leaf litter until she finds a fallen tree limb. Will this help? She asks him, testing its heft. He twists his wings, puzzled. Against the aliens, she elaborates. Oh, courteous, he pretends to consider it. Then, no, probably not. They have guns. I see, she says, though she doesn't. She breaks off a smaller branch, using her foot for leverage. Soon she has a crude mace. It is heavy, slow, and does not break when she tests it against a tree trunk. She doesn't know what the aliens look like. She does not know what guns are. She does trust Gull, but she can't help thinking if an alien tried to attack her while she was armed with a stick like this, she would have no trouble crushing its skull. Entry 12. They reach the settlement. It's a smoldering cinder and ruin. Gold frets about fission products and acute radiation. So Oren lingers at a distance and studies what remains. A cat moves among the most distant rubble, hunting for mice. A tattered banner stirs in the breeze. She sees nothing more, so she ignores Gull's warning and goes in for a closer look. She finds bodies, adults mostly, some children. 
There are little houses for big animals, but there are no big animals among the dead. How did this happen? She asks, overcome by grief for those charred strangers. Aliens? I doubt it. The fallen don't often use nuclear weapons. It ruins the land. My guess is that a warlord raided this place for its livestock and then set off a bomb. Why? Cole gives a little shrug, bobbing in place. Why not? No one was here to stop them. Orin clenches her mace a little tighter. She feels nauseous. Can you tell when it happened? He runs the computations. Not precisely. Less than 36 hours, I suppose. You should have walked faster, she mutters, and then bends over to be sick. You can't do that here, Gull interrupts anxiously. Stop, Orin, stop. You have radiation poisoning. If you're sick here, you'll die here. And then I have to resurrect you here, and you'll be sick and die here again and again. You have to move. Come. I told you not to walk around here. So, rebirth number two. Uh, she is born again as a risen. Um, Nobody goes through more changes in life than good old Orin, man. Right. Crazy. Never. They, you know, you always have like a character where they're like, I want a character who does like everything. You know, like you make your fantasy character in an RPG. I'm going to be a master of everything. That's basically Orin. She's got like everything in one. Yeah. Crazy. She's a badass. I mean, she For made sure. a mace out of twigs. She was like, I'm good. Branches. Like, she has no idea what she's fighting. But she made a mace out of twigs and branches to fight it. I mean, you can't you can't fight at all if you don't have any defense system in Maybe. place. She's doing something. Well, she is what will be called a titan. <laughs> She's so, a titan, man. So she is her weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to call out the comparison here between, you know, I you know I missed out on the podcast, but you guys are very familiar. Drifter, does this not sound like the complete opposite of how Drifter yeah. was rezzed? Uh Drifter refuses to get a name, give a name. They immediately exchange both. Uh, he is told by his ghost that he's in a dangerous area. Completely untrusts him, goes the complete opposite way. Orin, there's no reason to trust this thing. Does exactly what it says. So I just thought, like, it's just funny. In it's the, the same perfect DLC, symmetry. Yeah, in the same, same DLC, we had two opposing reses of two very different Guardians. Uh, I just thought that was kind very of a, a cool comparison between two very different personalities about uh, um, Risen and their ghosts. Yeah, now that you point it out, that's really accurate. It's kind of an interesting thing to, like, think about. Although we do see the reason why both of them hate warlords yeah yes unfortunately she gets a taste of what some of her unfortunately you could say her people are doing uh, other risen as we know are just not great they're setting off nuclear weapons like it's a little ridiculous yeah 
Yeah, and when she asks why, and they're just like, well, because they can. Mm-hmm. Like, that is sad. And I also liked the point to uh, the res process, how when a guardian comes back, they come back healthy, but they're not invincible. We see that Orin gets radiation poison, and her ghost urges her to get away soon, uh, because otherwise, if she dies right there, the cycle would continue. You know, we have examples of guardians who were stuck in these causal loops where they basically could not be res. Um, so once again, we just see that ghosts, why they can um, res you to perfect health, you're not like, you can still get sick. Guardians could still get sick. So that's kind of interesting. They can still get the flu. They get hungry. They, they, they can death. still die of, of starvation or scorpion stings. That's right. what I was about to they say. Can, yep, they can freeze to death. <laughs> or just pure stubbornness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, are we ready to move on? I think so. Elemis wants to get to some of the later cards. I do. No. I do. Elemis is super excited about this card. I would have so never calm. guessed. So calm though, because he's just trying to get to his spot. He's doing. He's doing very well. Actually, you have waiting. you have the card that I'm I'm excited about, Ivan. Oh. All right. Well, I'll try to. Yeah, read don't it. butcher it. Are you the first speaker for it? No. no. Ivan always talks for me, so I will just make up for it. She'll just make up for it. She'll give a quick little thing. <laughs> All yeah, right. Thank you, everyone. So I'll be covering Warhammer. Entry thirteen. Orin graduates from wooden mace to stolen scorch cannon, from bare flesh to salvaged plate. The fallen do not interest her, but they are well provisioned. She hunts them to better hunt warlords and makes many enemies of many older and wilier risen than her. Entry 14. The Pilgrim Guard finds her pinned down in a box canyon, fighting alone and out of ammunition against a gang of six mercenaries. She is a graceless fighter with an unflappably grim resolve. So when they sweep in to help her, she does not immediately recognize them as the cavalry. She sees them coming, considers the odds, and then raises her empty scorch cannon to wield as a maul. Seventeen to one? She'll try her luck. They laugh about it later over weak tea and hardtack. Entry 15. When the guard invites her to join them, they present her with a warhammer. It is as tall as she is. Along its grip, they've engraved the words, I am the end of all things, in tidy block print. Entry 16. She meets a young woman whose skin looks like hers. Where did you come from? Warren asks, staring too hard, standing a little too close. It is impossible not to. Every other blue-skinned person she has ever seen has either been dead or a distant figure hurrying for a gleaming ship. The young woman cringes away from her. The Sinaloan ruins? Are there other people there like you? No. Hearing her question, 
one of her friends pulls her aside to point up at the sky. Your people are up there, he says. They live among the asteroids. Why aren't they here? She asks, but he has no answer. Entry 17. The everyday rhythm of the Pilgrim Guard suits her for decades. Eradicate warlords and alien invaders. Protect mortal civilians. Guide homeless refugees to safety. Their numbers wax and wane over time, but they are forever the watchers in the dark. The living shield that shelters. The ladder which humanity will climb toward rebirth. Inspiring campfire speeches are an endless fact of life. And they buoy her until she begins to recognize the elite motifs of self-sacrificing heroism. Orin loves her leaders and friends. She loves her little ramshackle community. But she never wished to become soldier or symbol. Whenever they gather in the evening for dinner, she feels claustrophobic anxiety press around her. She is shackled to the wilds by all these people that she loves. And she has no words to explain her own restlessness. Alone. On night watch, she tells Goal that she feels monstrous. Why doesn't she love this? Why doesn't she want to stay? So here, Orange just becomes the, basically the coolest Titan ever. You know, I have to say, she kind of is one of my, has become one of my favorite Titans. You know, we have a lot of uh, stuff about like, um, Waning, just kind of being like a badass titan who just punches like, all the things, punches everything. <laughs> but I almost like Orin better. She has like a little bit more of like a calculated, you know, thought to her. It's not always about punching, but like I love a, like when things get serious. She's <laughs> like, "Well, all right then, let's do this." Like, like we're gonna do this. <laughs> we're gonna do it. Like, don't back down. Waning was punch first, ask questions never. Yep. <laughs> Oren is like, think for a moment, then punch. And punch hard. I love it. Yep, yep. And of course, she joins the Pilgrim Guard. You can't get better than that. One of the first, first orders going in there. She is uh, one of the original pillars, man, of yeah. society there. So that's kind of a cool position to be on. We see that she's a really, really early on uh, risen. Omo is one of the first guardians, you could say. She truly is becoming a guardian at this point. But the best part about this, I am the end of all things. <laughs> right? I love how they give her a warhammer. It's just so perfect. Uh, yeah, and she joins the Pilgrim Garden for a while, and we see that she is incredibly happy with it for a while. Until she starts to feel exactly the same way she did in the distributary. Yep. I would say almost. I literally second... like had to do a double take. I was like, wait, did Elmer same... jump back? <laughs> no, it's like the same description and everything. Yeah. yeah. Same words. Same. Same words. Yeah. Claustrophobic anxiety press around her. Yeah. And I think ram it... shackle was used in both. 
Yeah, I I think it was kind of the trigger was seeing one of her people and wondering like, where are my people? And I think that triggered some type of. Remember we talked about uh, guardians not being able to have memory, but having strong emotion that could kind of br- yeah bring back in. I think that's another kind of example of this. This strong emotions kind of feeding not necessarily a memory, but something that she acknowledges as I don't know her old self. Uh, because she has the ex- exact same characteristics. So I thought that was kind of cool. We see I that the person stays. You know what I'm saying? Everyone talks yeah. about, will Aldrin be a dick when he comes back? We see like their, their character kind of is still intact. Aldrin was a whiny little bitch before, and he probably still will be. <laughs> I wonder if, if it's that claustrophobic anxiety that caused her feel this way because like that's her thing yeah uneasiness yeah a feeler because then it it just takes her down that path of like i i don't know why i i feel this way i can't explain it why don't i i love you know being in this community why why don't i want to stay yeah and she feels crazy but you know she she's got the same resolve she wants to help people well, she's a fighter now, but she acknowledges that she didn't She didn't think she was supposed to be a fighter. And that's why, I guess, when she tells her ghost and she says the goal that she feels monstrous, my thinking is she feels monstrous because she's, she's wondering how does enjoying friends and family and saving the innocent, how can I be bored of this? How can this not be something that brings me fulfillment? And well, so I, I... I wouldn't say it's boredom. I, I would say it's more like... Like it says there, you know, anxiety. You know, she's hanging out with and spending time with her little community. You know, the friends and family that she's made. Something just doesn't feel right, I guess. Yeah, it's not true yeah. that she's bored. Like you said, yeah, it's she just feels panicked almost. Yes. Yeah, when I have an anxiety attack, I'm not bored. I'm stressed and I freak the freak out. You're usually really bored right after, but... <laughs> Yeah, because it really tires me out, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, she she is. She's, like, panicking to her ghost. Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Um, but it's, I, like, I can really, like, relate to that, you know? She's just, like, I, you know, there are so many times when I'm, like, I should be happy right now. Like, I am at, you know, an amazing X, Y, or Z, or I'm with people I really love to be around. Why am I freaking out? So, like, I totally understand that, you know? I feel that on a very deep personal level. Yeah. All right. I'm ready to move on to see how the story unfolds. Same Z's. All right, let's do it. Question after question. Entry 18. There are stories of a massive settlement in the far south. Rumors call it the last safe city, a place of peace and prosperity guarded by indestructible old Russian warriors who fight alongside 20-foot-tall wolves, whatever those are. The Pilgrim Guard has heard of many so-called safe cities. They come and go, but mostly they go. Still, they reroute their caravan. The land down south is good, arable, temperate, 
and with too many indigenous parasites for the fallen to wish it as a customary home. Even if there is no safe city there, it is a better place to guard civilians than the ravaged deserts and plains of the north. Warren hopes the rumors are true, but it is a selfish hope. If the city is real and people are safe there, then maybe she can rest. Entry 19. City is a misnomer. It has been a misnomer since this place's inception. It is a chaotic sprawl of tents and shabby lean-tos. There is not a single permanent structure among them. The streets are nothing more than muddy pathways that smell of waste and smoke. But the people, neither Orin nor Goal, have seen so many people in all their lives. Filthy children scream with laughter as they play tag around salvage tanks. A civilian militia stands vigil over Kasava farmers. Armored risen bicker over where they should mark the city's borders and how best to defend them. The traveler looms overhead as Orin wanders through it all, wide-eyed and exhilarated. Entry 20. The pilgrim guard prepares to move out, provisioned to make an 18-month expedition through the far north. Orin stays behind. No one questions her decision, though they do grieve it. Each one of them cuts a notch into the grip of her warhammer until it reads, I, 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 I am the end of all things. Entry 21. There are awoken here in this safe city. They are uncommon, though exos are even rare. Most have ghosts, as she does. A few do not. And it's these people that Orn is most fascinated by. She dogs them with relentless patience, asking question after question. Where did you come from? Why have you come here? Where are the rest of us? Where did you get that gun? What are those bullets made out of? Why doesn't everyone have those bullets? Do people ever move to avoid you? Do you hear voices when you are alone? Are your dreams ever like omens? If I was one of you, why didn't anyone ever come looking for me? That last line makes me super sad, you guys. Yeah, you see the progression of her question. Orphan child who's just like, why doesn't anybody love me? Also, though, can we talk about, sorry, I'm just going to be right into this last card because that's where it like really hit me. Can we talk about the fact that like there are totally suggestions that she potentially is still hearing Mara even as somebody who has died and become a risen? Yep. Like, and Mara transcends like death into risen ever and like, like omens. Yeah. Like Same. that was like insanity to me. Yep, yep. And she's asking them to other awoken. Um, yeah. So she realized she was mean. She's probably asked these questions of other people in the past, and they're like, "You're crazy." Yeah. So yeah, dude, 
Awoken are connected on a crazy, crazy level. But it's like, I totally understand that, you know, like, I mean, like that desire to be near like those that look like you, you know? Yeah. I mean, even just myself growing up, not looking like the rest of my family, I never felt like I fit in there. I just never felt like I belonged because I didn't look like them. I wasn't one of them. Yeah. I mean, she finds some people and she was like, you know, if I'm one of you, why didn't anyone come find me? You know, she doesn't. It's it's sad that she doesn't know that she volunteered to do this, to go yeah. out on this journey, and that she Mara told her basically she couldn't come back. She isolated herself for a grander goal, and she can't remember any of that. So I mean, that is the kind of stuff that the drifter calls the traveler. You know, the traveler's dogma. Negative things, yeah, because he talks about things like that, about how you know people can never live peacefully, about all the heartache that comes uh, when you're arisen. Um, so you see, it's not all just fun. You're not, you don't just pick up a weapon and go at it. I mean, some of it, I love her question start, you know, where'd you get that gun? What are those bullets made of? Why doesn't everyone have those bullets? Right. <laughs> and then immediately, all of a sudden, she's like... I do love her curiosity just overall. You? Yeah. And we see that she's really, really energetic and hyper kind of there. But then her questions trail off and she's like, and they get, they get deeper. Um, yeah. So we see that she's definitely, she's looking for, she still has this uneasiness. She doesn't go with the pilgrim barge. She stays in the city. And she's very uneasy about just, I, I don't think she even knows. She's just very uneasy about life and she doesn't know what just, she should be doing. She can tell something's wrong. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't know what it is. And that's even harder. You know, the saying goes, uh, the devil you know. Like, when you know what's wrong, it's a little easier because you have something to face head on. But there's an uneasiness to not knowing. And that's what she is experiencing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A uh, few things I wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. So... This is all t- taking place in the last safe city. It- it's the tower. Well, not necessarily the tower, but like that semi safe tent city. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that location. Yeah. Um, and we actually get a little bit of a clue as to where it is because of. The fact that it's being guarded by indestructible old Russian warriors. Right, I um, love when I see things in here that I'm like, Russian? I know that word. That one's not made up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I love it. You know, who fight alongside 20 foot tall wolves, whatever those are. <laughs> yep, I love it. So, um, yeah. We- like, all I'm thinking of is the Rise of Iron trailer with Saladin just running with those wolves. Well, the second they gave her a Warhammer, I immediately just thought of Saladin's battle axe that he carries around. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, she would love to meet him. They're going to be best friends. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I thought. She needs a war axe next. <laughs> uh, but then the next thing I, I wanted to note. So... 
each person or each guardian in or at this point risen sorry uh in the pilgrim guard make that notch on her warhammer there's nine eyes at that point of course there is of course there is <laughs> like unrelated who knows right I think, Bung- I think it's just Bungie once again, as they've been doing with all of like the Grimoire this season, just throwing nine in a lot. I'm out of yeah. here. I'm done. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's absolutely like Bungie going, hey, there's another nine. Bungie's like, tee And my favorite thing is, it, at this point, it's like, it doesn't mean anything, but people will go crazy. Right. I love oh, it. Oh, like I did. I love the writers. Yeah, I love it, man. Like, I'm sure Mrs. Hyven and Hyven noticed but like i highlighted the eyes just to count them all out and look at them just to, to put it in a text editor and like get rid of the spaces and all right how many are there <laughs> ah, good old nine guys well guys we're talking about nine the nine in your sleep hey we're talking about the nine so it's yeah it's fitting at this point yeah doesn't everyone only count nine sheep repeatedly I think it's time to move on to the next card. All right, so this one is Queen's Law. Like, Coleslaw, but Queen's Law. Ooh, Queen's Law. It really should have a space, but yeah. I'm going to go with Coleslaw. Really? You thought that was like one word? Queen's Law. Oh I was confused. Anyways, Nam Chi Sen is the first person to take her seriously. If we're going to talk a while, we might as well sit down, he says, gesturing to a nearby stack of ammunition crates. He's a pilot from the reef, and he has been sent to recover downed surveillance drones he calls crows. His Hildian sustained damage during a dogfight with a fallen skiff, and now an important pump is leaking. He could not find the source of the leak, nor does he have the supplies to repair it. The rest of the Awoken are at home in the reef. The gun is a standard-issue Tiger Spite AR. It uses case-telescoped rounds made of proprietary plasteel spin metal blend. There are engineers hard at work on manufacturing techniques that will allow for widespread distribution of the weapon to risen and civilian populations on Earth. People do avoid him. Earthbound and Risen Awoken almost never speak to him. He is surprised that she bothered. He does hear voices. He does have prophetic dreams. He describes it all in detail, and she is shocked by how familiar it sounds. It is like listening to a recording of herself. At her final question, he hesitates. He runs a grimy hand through his hair and looks up at the stars. They've been talking a long time. If we were going to talk some more, he says at last, we might as well have a drink. Entry 23. Namchi is not particularly tall, nor particularly handsome. Taken in isolation, parts of him are beautiful. His nose, his hands, the lines of his throat. The corsating light that passes over his skin fascinates her. She watches to see if, it, if its patterns match her own. 
they do not. Most of all, Oren is struck by his ability to listen with empathy. He is quite more he is quiet more often than not. Long silences don't frighten him. And when he speaks, he does it deftly, without condescension. Entry 24. It takes eight weeks to repair the leaking pump. In that time, Oren convinces Namchi to break Queen's law and smuggle her and Gull beyond the Vestian outpost. She is determined to understand why she revolted against her own people. They are scarcely a half a day's burn towards Interamina before they are intercepted by galleots painted in the queen's color. Entry 25. Woof, Shrita says, when she sees Oren for the first time. Mara's going to hate this. She crosses the detainment cell to get a better look at Gull. Figured this might happen eventually, but I'd always hoped. She pulls at the nape of her neck, then gives a half shrug. Well, what can you do? Turning, she looks at Namchi. You know you broke the law, right? He nods. She claps him on the shoulder and smiles. My man. Entry 26. Two paladins deliver her to Marasov. Gol is not permitted in the court, nor is Namchi. I knew you, Oren says before Mara can speak. It is uncourtly etiquette, she supposes, but they are alone, and she is too bold to fear offense. What do you remember? Oren gives a slight shake of her head. Moments pass. Mara, too, is comfortable with silence. Behind her mask of composed indifference, her eyes are sharp with curiosity. Why did I leave? Oren asks. You wish to be my emissary. And you banished me for it? She squints. That doesn't seem like something you'd do. Mara smiles faintly. No. Entry 27. They have several more conversations. The revelations are absolute in their terror. Oren has never felt such a profound sense of schism. Not when learning that most mortals would sooner swallow cyanide pills than come face to face with a risen. Nor that the Alexni were once abandoned by the Traveler. Nor that almost all warlords are light bearers. Entry 28. But the Queen's Law is, of course, the Queen's Law. It must be upheld, but the spirit of the law often differs from its letter. Namchi accepts a sentence of five years indentured servitude to the crown for smuggling Oren into Reef's holding. They let him pick his detail and negotiate his salary. Oren's case is not so simple. She is not who she was. So after vigorous philosophical debate, is decreed that she cannot be held accountable for her past oaths. She engaged in witting trespass, aided and abetted by a learned civilian, and for that she must sacrifice a boon, 
An unnamed future debt of the crown's choosing. Orin accepts the sentence gladly and returns to Earth to mend her wounds. She needs to think. She needs to talk. So. Uh. Tiger Spite is an actual gun that we get in-game. Apparently we were supposed to get it a long time ago. (laughs) I love that they said they were going to widely distribute it, but that never happened. Yeah. (laughs) Sound a little more butthurt there, babe. Oh, I don't like auto rifles, personally. But I just thought it was funny that they were like, we got this great gun, we're going to give it to everyone. Nah. Um... We actually get a clear definition of a crow here. So, different types of crows, though. Right. Like, it, honestly, this is probably like. This Mark is helpful II. for anyone who's confused by Mark II. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Aldrin's crows. Although, like, like what Hyven was saying, um, later they become something else. He's got operatives that are still referred to as crows. I wonder if it's just like if it's it's the entire organization that he has that's just called crows, yeah, and everybody takes on that. The uh, Forsaken Prince. We see the story of one of his crows. He. Goes on some adventures and stuff with. So. Yeah. Yeah. But in D1, at least, I knew them only as this. The drones. Yeah. I love the whole entry 25 with sure. Just like literally, oh, Mara's not going to like this. You know you <laughs> broke the law, right? Yeah. Way to go, my man. Uh, that's totally her character. I, 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 I hope that Mrs. Hyven is right and she comes back to life so we can just see her right. in game. When the pyramid ships come, so will sure eat us. Yeah, well, I wanted to meet Saint-14 and they uh, didn't make that happen. So. No, it's happening, okay? It's happening. Well, I mean, what we saw of Saint-14 was in a simulation... It's true, and with time travel, we still <laughs> could meet him. He's stuck in Vex time, so. But yeah, I think Shiro's, Shiro is a pretty cool character, man. She cracks me up all the time. Oh my god, yeah. I, I love the initial conversation <laughs> with Mara. Yeah. Like, Oren looks at her going, This is what happened? Yeah. Why did I leave? Wanted to be my emissary, and you banish me for it. That doesn't seem like something you'd do. And Mara just has this slight smile, like you may be arisen, you may not have your memory of of your previous life, but you still get me. Yep. And I like our original conversation with uh, Namchi too, because uh, we see. The same reason she gets along with Mara is the same reason she gets along with him. She enjoys conversation where silence is not feared. 
Um, yeah. All, all the, all, but all of our conversations with Namki and, of course, Mara, we already know, are very, like, calculated. They stop to think. And in her past life as an Awoken, you know, she was kind of like a diplomat. She was the conversational, the interpreter, as they called her. So I think it's fitting that she's drawn to people who are good with conversation and can actually answer her questions because she's got a lot of them. And yeah. I think that's what draws her to uh, Namchi. We see he's not the most handsome and tall, you know, man in the world, but she sees Unless that... Unless you take him in parts. Yeah, in parts, he's got very beautiful characteristics, but more importantly, he listens to her and like, answers her questions. So, bam. All right, that's all I got. Any last comments, Mrs. Ivan? Nope. All right. I will just move right along then. Yeah, I'm covering the... debt. Entry 29. It seems everyone knows the Pilgrim Guard now. <laughs> Their numbers have quintupled and only continue to grow. The grateful civilians of the last safe city style them guardians, and they wear the title well. Orin is glad to see her friends doing so well. She does not rejoin them. Entry 30. During his sentence, Namchin maintains daily contact with Orin via vidcom and projection. When he is released, she begs him to come get her. She wants to understand what humanity was trying to achieve before it stooped to setting off nuclear warheads in order to steal a few cows. They scour the inner planets in his Hildian. When parts of it break down, they work odd jobs. They are deliriously happy. Centuries pass. Entry 31. On the day that Shur Ido dies, she receives a call from Marasad. I would ask for my boon, the queen says with shaking voice. It is the first time she dares to trust a guardian. It will not be the last. Entry 32. The queen paces as Orin leans on her warhammer. I need to know who killed her, Mara says. To know or to see them killed? Mara's grief and anger ablaze across her face. She looks out at the reef as she struggles to master herself. Orin imagines Namchi dead and clenches her warhammer a little tighter. At last, Mara says, first to know. She gives Orin the strange coin that the search party found on Shur's body. I'm not sure it was a murder. 33. The search sends her deep into a sublunar cavern where she finds no enemies but instead clouds of steam and a half-man with grasping tentacles where his face should be. Forgive them, he rasps, as she crushes his windpipe in her fist. Who? she snarls, tightening her grip. His face writhes with growing urgency. Reminding herself that she came here for answers first and vengeance second, she pushes him away. He staggers, steadies, Reaches into his robes to draw something out. Orin! Gull warns, but she's already seen it. She hefts her warhammer and strikes him hard in the chest. 
It is like hitting a ball off of a tee. There is no resistance. He caroms off of a dewy boulder with a sickening crunch. That is his spine. He will never stand straight again. And as he hits the ground, a tarnished silver jar slips from his fingers. The sound echoes as it bounces away into the dark. Entry 34. Orin uses a hunting knife and brute strength to puncture the jar's dented lid. She turns it over and pours a thin stream of pale gray powder into her gloved palm. Dust returns. It ever returns. The man chuckles wheezily. She looks up, and he is gone. Yeah, so this is one that I really like. Um, for the later entries there. Uh, but starting at the beginning, we see that the Pilgrim Guard continues growing. And they eventually become Guardians. So we see this is the end, the kind of the real start of the city and the Guardians. Um, and Orin's very happy for them. But she does not join them. Instead, Namchi finishes his sentence. Uh, he comes and picks her up, and they just kind of just fly all over the place, just living life happily for centuries until Shirido quote-unquote dies and Mara asks for her boon. And that's when she goes and she asks for answers. Um, and I do like that, of course, uh, Orin asks, you know, do you want to know or to see them killed? And after thinking, she says, first to know, I'm not sure it was a murder. So that's even the queen is not entirely sure what's what happened to uh, Sheer. So that that's for you there, Mrs. Ivan. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I mean, it was very weird circumstances, as we talked about before. Um, and she hands her the only piece of evidence that she has: the strange coin. And then things get fun when she meets none other than Zer. Oh, technical face. Or technical mm. face. And just want to acknowledge, she beats him with a hammer. Have you ever noticed how he's always crouched and looking creepy when he's uh, selling his goods? I love that they kind of explained. I just kind of always thought that was how he, was st- he stood. No, he, he got beaten with a giant hammer. So I thought that Ooh, was yeah. cool. A little, it's brilliant. You know, it was a perfect little thing to explain him. Um, but this is kind of her first interaction with the Nine. We see she's got the strange coin, kind of leads her to Zer, uh, and Zer starts talking about dust. Yeah, because um, Zer apparently has her mother's ashes. Yeah, so that's the crazy thing. He has her mother's ashes. Of course, she remembers nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yep, so she finally gets them open. She pours out the contents. It's ashes. And I just love Zer. Just dust returns. It ever returns. He's gone. Him being cryptic as all get out. Always. So this is the start of what will lead Orin to where she is now. But she gets a lot of questions without answers. If it sounds a little bit like Vinya from before... There's a reason, you know, people, uh, when they start looking into the nine, they don't get the answers they're looking for most of the time. 
Yep. Yep. Anything to add? Nope. Not at all. He wants to <laughs> do the next card. He can't. He's got to not go crazy anyway. <laughs> no, I just I I want you to get through this. Like, that's it. All uh, right. Talk Fine. afterward. I yeah. know. Just read it. Keep, remember, save something for next week on all of our our spin foil. Well, you think weeks. he doesn't have two more? Weeks. I know he's got plenty. All right, here we go. Synesthesia. Entry thirty-five. Orn begins to experience waking hallucinations. Immaterial strangers speak to her in unrecognizable languages. When she reaches for Namchi, she feels as if she is falling into him, being pulled through him, sieved into smaller and smaller scarves of some atom self that he breathes into the blood of his bones. When she continues her hunt for the queen, she feels a crushing fist around her windpipe. There is something she must say, but she has no words to say it. There is somewhere she must go, Someone she must be. It is not horrifying, though she thinks it should be. Instead, it is unspeakably lonely. It grows steadily worse, until it is not possible to tell the difference between day and dream. She, descri- she tries to describe her number color synesthesia to Gol, to Namchi, to Mara. She sees green and thinks nine. She reads purple and tastes nine. They all tell her to stop, to rest, to be still. There have been other breakthroughs, other messages. The nine are known. She cannot. She hunts for the man with the writhing face. She hunts for herself. Entry 37. On the day that Namchi dies... No one can reach her or goal, though they do try. She does not find out for months. Entry 38. On the day she meets Wu Ming, she is on Bamberga. She has just left a Jinsum lab. She has just read a transcript of Namji's last words. Her hands are shaking. She feels nauseous. She feels she can see herself in third person, tottering to a safe place to sit and cry. Wu Ming is a bonfire in the darkness, and she crawls toward his warmth. Entry 39 Wu Ming is ravenous for her stories of the Nine. He asks whether she's met them, whether they can give a man power, whether they know a way out of this solar system. Orn cannot answer any of his questions, but she cannot keep her own stories down. She is sick with them. They come out in a compulsive, vilest stream, and when she is emptied, she talks of herself, of her grief, of her restlessness. How she feels the most alive in the empty spaces between blinks. How she feels she is a snake perpetually slothing away its skin. Except this last molt is all wrong, and she is caught in the ghost throat of her old self. Wu Ming leaves his questions by the wayside, as he is drawn inexorably into the gravity well of her desperate honesty. Her confessions lower his defenses. 
He talks of himself, of his fear, of his loneliness, how he feels he is one fingernail away from plummeting into an abyss, how he feels vicious resentment every time he is brought back from the dead. He never asked for the gift of the light. Entry 40. They make excuse after excuse to meet again. Every conversation is colored by excavated truths. Every day, they feel they will reach some bedrock that will break them to pieces. It is as frightening as it is intoxicating. Entry 41. Lies, lies, lies. He is not Wu Ming. He is a man named Eli, a man named Dredgen Hope, a man named the Drifter. He is not vulnerable. He is a paranoid con man. He is a dead-hearted murderer. He is a cowardly liar. He is not her friend. He is waiting to make his move. He has always been waiting to make his move. She is stupid. She is so stupid to have fallen for his lies. She cannot mend this. Entry 42. She leaves, and so too does the light. The severance is absolute in its terror. She has not felt such a profound sense of schism. It can be mended. Orin is not your name. Sorry, Mrs. Ivan, you got to get your point in there. Sorry, I forgot I was first comment. Um, you know what, Gnomes? I'm going to throw it over to Alamist. So, like, my favorite entry in here is... It, it, like, honestly, it, it's the combination between 39 through 41. You know, her whole dealing with Wu Ming. We know he took the name Wu Ming when he had the bar right at Phil Winter's Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but he never told anybody that he was arisen until Oren. And, like, they, you see that they instantly just connect. You know, they're talking about stories and... and you know, how they're feeling and, and everything. And they're just connecting. But then she finds out the truth about him. That Wu Ming is just a name that he, he took up. You know, he, he's got another name of Eli. Um, he went by Dredge and Hope. He's called the Drifter. And she's painting him in this this whole other light that, honestly, it, it's the way we initially saw the Drifter before actually reading his story. Um, and I've I've got a, another further stuff but that that's going to be coming a couple weeks from now yeah i would like to at some point put in that card <sighs> me and elemist have had a long discussion about this uh the card i referenced uh when we were discussing this 
it is, I believe, a Titan Mark. Where, um, you know what I'm talking about? There's that conversation between the two. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know where we should add that, but that one is really important for this whole story, I think. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's coming uh, two weeks from now. Okay, so we th- we're throwing it I in there. knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the one you were talking about earlier before. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I've totally, like, I've got so, this. Yeah. We're going to tie this all in. Also, the conversation between Wu Ming and Oren, there also, there is a video in game for the Invitation of the Nine. So we're going to get into and this. we'll be covering that next week. Which is why next week and the week after, we're going to continue talking about this. But just keep in mind, because me and Elmas have talked about this, and I, I, I feel strongly about this one, too. Um, if you just pick apart just really what's happening. I mean, she is vulnerable. She just lost the person she loved for centuries. Yeah, for centuries. And she's also going mad between investigations of the Nine. So much so that it took months for her to find out that he died. So when she finds someone who is willing to listen to her, she just tells him everything. And the crazy part is, at the very beginning, Wooming, Drifter, he starts asking her questions about the Nine as if he wants power. He asks her whether she's met them, whether they can give a man, a man power, whether they know a way out of this solar system. Things that we know he eventually does, things that he wants to do. However, as it continues, um, they actually develop yeah it continues on that's how he starts right but after she starts talking wooming leaves his questions by the wayside and he is drawn inexorably into the gravity well of her desperate honesty her confessions lower his defenses he talks of himself of his fear of his loneliness of how he feels he is one fingernail away from plummeting into the abyss and as elemis said how he feels vicious resentment every time he is brought back from the dead He's never talked to anyone. He's telling her everything. He's talking about the fact that he's actually a guardian and about how he doesn't want any of this. She, when she finds out who he is, unfortunately, she can only see him as a con man. But when you investigate just card 39 and when you see his reaction that we'll discuss next week. He was being completely honest with her. He was genuine. And she just unfortunately couldn't trust him. But in her and, defense, it's hard when somebody has this record of a con man. Yeah. He's broken trust to just about all people. So how and, is she supposed to believe that she was the one person he was genuine with? But that's the yeah. hard part. She po- quite possibly, she, find, she finds consolation at the very least in this individual. And she's heartbroken again by possibly losing someone else. At least a good friend, right? And the sad part is, yeah, she has every right to do this she doesn't know that he's being honest we as the reader knowing the drifter story see that this is the one person he's being vulnerable with it's just kind of it it's it's, it's kind of heart-wrenching to see yeah that he is opening up to someone and she doesn't know it and she needs someone right now yeah Con- considering so. that she's the first person that he's ever opened up to yeah. I mean, not even his ghost or, you know, some of the friends that he made in that, that little town that he 
mm-hmm. lived in, you know. And then the saddest part for me is just she's so broken. She says it cannot be mended. But unfortunately, the readers can't see this, but based off the text font, we see little whispers of the nine in the next card telling her that it can be mended. Um, so this is kind of this act. I think that this action, this heartbreak is kind of pushed her to what we're going to continue on ultimately happen to this character. Um, yep. So let's get into yeah, it. She's just done, man. Yeah. You guys ready? We're ready. We're ready. Oh, absolutely. So broken hearted right now. Like you guys can't see them, but they look so just like beaten down and broken hearted about what's to come. It's just that not only does this story like have something for both of us, like this story almost goes into like our first episode about like Drifter and like the one that me and Elemis did back when we were talking about Drifter. And like this season has just been tying in a lot and like just a lot of the stuff. Yeah, I agree. This is a great season for Lore. <laughs> <laughs> and so like it is. It's like we've been from the start of our podcast, we've just been kind of like tying stuff together. Drifting and back to the drifter. Yeah. yeah, you guys didn't even know it. So I mean this is kind of like a big thing for us. We like talked about a lot of the lore combined with the night the nine with the drifter with Orn with a bunch of things for like hours one night after recording so this is definitely this is important this is important to us man <laughs> all right well i will try and finish it off with honor and respect <laughs> <laughs> all right the last card is scales ng43 on the day she leaves to find the nine the techians name her Orin, the Lost. She raids a storeroom in the Vestian outpost, stuffing into her knapsack digital schematics for a Phaeton backscatter scanner, a jade coin, several bundles of dried queen's foil, and nothing more. Entry 44. She goes beyond the heliopause. It's a long walk. A sudden death. Entry 45. She sheds herself and emerges anew in the glimmering scales of her old lives. An immigrant, a translator, an emissary, a hammer of judgment. They expect her to claim her will, but she clenches it a little tighter. Her gifts can end wars. So, a few things I want to point out. A Phaeton backscatter scanner, just like what Lavinia used in Dust. See that dark matter? Yeah. A jade coin, like the kind that the Drifter has. Uh, Several bundles of Queen's foil. I would say a jade coin. Could you also also think maybe a strange coin? I thought the same thing. I'm just thinking she's stealing it from the Vestian outpost. So what coin do you think that was? Well, the thing about a strange coin is that it was gold with a uh, jade center. Yeah, and then we also got coins from the Trials of the Nine. But yeah, jade coin to me reminds me of... uh, Drifter. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I think you're right because technically, look, she she raids the storeroom, but it doesn't say she got everything from the storeroom. So yeah, right. I think I that that is Drifter's point. That there's a um, almost full circle effect here because our very first paragraph in the very first entry of the very first card discusses what she's stuffing her into her knapsack. Then. Yeah, that's very that's perfect. So, I just oh, again, it was just kind of like wait. Is she stuffing the same stuff? She's definitely not stuffing the same stuff, but it specifically discusses her stuffing her knapsack. Yep. But so that was interesting full circle. Uh, so two more comments for me, and then I'm done. Um, so the entry 44, it's only three lines. She goes beyond the heliopause. It is a long walk, a sudden death. Um, there's Two, Trials of the Nine Weapons that, like, almost directly relate to two of these lines. The Long Walk is uh, a sniper, a sniper rifle from base D2, and we'll get into that two weeks from now. Uh, And then A Sudden Death is a shotgun from base D2. So, like, quite literally, it's one entry talking about two different. Well, it's not talking about the weapons themselves, but it's talking about like the, what name, the weapons were named after. The names were weapon. Yeah, the weapons yeah. would have been named after these occurrence. Yeah, uh, that's, and then, that's nice. And then the last thing I wanted to note: this is Rebirth Three. Yes. And so I will actually just add on to your points. Um, first one, the backscanner, uh, the Phaeton backscatter scanner, used to look for dark matter, the nine, jade coin, a memento, a memory, and dried queen's foil. What do we use queen's foil for? Seen into the ascendant plane in some regard. She knows a little bit of what that is. So... She's looking, she's searching. Um, and then also, she goes, and then 44, as you said, she goes behind the heliopause. So the heliopause is the farthest region, is the boundary of the heliosphere. And I, just because I looked everything up for us, and the heliosphere is, it is the region of space encompassing the solar system in which the solar wind has, an, has a significant influence. So she is passing into like the solar winds um my thinking is almost well no like it, it's talking about how she's going beyond that yeah so whether she's talking literal it's almost as if she's burning up in the atmosphere or figuratively it's like as you said it is a rebirth here uh what's happening is she is dying in some regard and she's coming back. And as it says, it, it, it doesn't say it plainly. We'll, you know, we'll mention it. But um, these people who bring her back anew, I just love the very, very last part. They expect to claim her will, but she clinches it a little tighter. And then, of course, her gift and end wars. And so do we remember that's a callback to what 
her gift was stated at the very beginning by the dais room in Shir. It was her gift as an emissary. She was also an emissary for the queen. Her gift is the go-between between peoples. And because I feel like we should just say it, unless anyone has, you can, you can cut it regardless, she's become the emissary of the nine that we see today in game. Yep. So it's very fitting. And, and, and we can see this, if you remember last week, remember when Lavinia went into the realm of the nine? Who was the first person she met there? Nasia. Nasia. Very yeah, interesting. Also gave her name Nasia, which is something that's very curious to me. Which was but her human name, her first something birth. We should discuss more. Later. Yeah, and that's something that we don't quite know, but I, I do find it very interesting that the name that was given was her first name. I, I have a few, or I have a theory about that, but like. Okay. We'll That'll get be on our that. theory episode. Yeah. Uh, but next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we know a little bit more about how, how Oren became the emissary and a little bit about her um, because the Imitations of the Nine do discuss her. And it really does highlight the point that last sentence, her gift can end wars. And that is her goal as an emissary. So just keep in mind, she is not just representing the Nine. As we'll see in those transcripts, She's helping to explain the Nine, our thoughts, and she helps us to appreciate the thinking of the Nine. So she has become kind of what she's always been wanted, wanted to. She is a go-between. She can use her gift without fighting, without violence, and she kind of embraces it. But not completely. I love that part, though. She doesn't completely give up her will. Because yeah. uh, Zer, another follower of the Nine, he specifically says, my will is not my own. My will she is does not, not my own. But she does not. So I find it very interesting, and I think we're going to see some interesting stuff uh, to continue on with this character. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they're right. really knocking this stuff out of the park, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's everyone take a breath. Compose ourselves. Right. Is there anything that you absolutely need to say before... <laughs> Um, no, because we're going to continue on to this discussion in the next couple of weeks. I'm good for now. Yeah, we'll we'll continue this next week. I will build this hype up for the next two weeks. You know, we have a late episode uh, recording later in the week, so that you don't have to wait as long to discuss this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> we made him wait, but now he doesn't have to wait as long. All right. Well, Mrs. Hyven, we're good. All right, so we're going to move into shout-outs. Alamus, you're first. So, first shout-out, always, Ishtar Collective. Hey, like, my job, it Making would be infinitely easy. worse without them. All of ours. Alamus wouldn't be able to type all this stuff by himself. We'd all have to transcribe. But thank you. Also, thank you to the team who transcribes and helps. Because, you know, a lot of people send stuff into them. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, and sec second shout out. You know what? I know he doesn't listen, but shout out to my coworker. Um, Why doesn't he listen? 
<laughs> Just kidding. He's very into WoW and Hitman and Sekiro. Ah, uh, he's busy then. Yeah. Destiny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You could have stopped at um, WoW and I would have understood why I didn't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, shout out to him because the past week has been kind of rough for my team. And without him, like, I'd be going crazy. Yeah, having a good uh, group to help at work really makes a difference. Yeah. I second that one. Alrighty. Hyvin, what you got? Uh, you know, like always, I didn't prepare anything. And I'm sure I'll just have some rant later. But <laughs> not this time. Uh, I'll just follow up with Elmas. Uh, shout out to Ishtar Collective for providing us with all this lore. Especially this season, as I know things get data mined, and because it's a because we get quests delayed, I know a lot of things in lore books are. We only got two to start this season of Opulence, but I know more will come. So I look forward to them being given to us, and uh, I, I thank them for providing me with all this amazing lore. Uh, and then. Also, of course, to Bungie and the writers for making this lore, uh, but also to this time to the whole staff, because after their reveal for the future of Destiny, I've never been more proud to be part of a community. Uh, now that they have it in their hands, their vision, I think, is really something, as Mrs. Hyven said before at the beginning of the show, I didn't get the feel that they wanted to make money at all. It didn't feel like a press conference where it was, let me sell you all these games, all yeah. these features. I really felt like they were just bringing back what we love about the game. So not only was I hyped about cross-save because I want to play mouse and keyboard on PC on that buttery smoothness, but just everything that they were doing with it and providing the game, the continuing the journey of this game. As Mrs. Hyven said, I have a friend who I haven't played with in so long. And I was able to unlock the Dreaming City with him just because I mentioned the fact that Bungie was working to make this game even better. Uh, so shout out to them. Please continue to do great into this community. Please try to stay positive. Uh, all content creators, keep making stuff that you love. And of course, Bungie, keep making a game that you love and we'll keep playing. I, I definitely want to second that. Like after that, that live stream, like, it didn't feel like, oh, hey, here's something else for you to buy. It felt buy like... the new DLC. It, right. It new felt like, back. here is some stuff to be proud of. You know, we are making the game exactly how we want it to be. Yeah. Sure, man. Well, Mrs. Hyven, you got two minutes before pedicures. What's your shout-out? <laughs> Pedicures got postponed to tomorrow, but that is not my oh, shout out. Well, <laughs> oh. Um, well, still, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my shout out is to a Twitter follower, actually. Um, I want to make sure I get the Twitter handle correct. Okay, it is at AmpDaddy2. In fact, um, he's somebody who had messaged me earlier, I think, uh, you know, way, way earlier. And then I think um, at some point I've also shouted out that message because he was the one who shared 
um, our podcast with his whole uh, clan, which was cool. Um, but today I noticed on Twitter he posted something. Uh, he said basically after he found out that what is considered the Widowmaker artery, so the artery that gets clogged that gives you the Widowmaker heart attack because you, you're dead. Um, it's almost never found was found to be 99% clogged, and the other two main heart oh, arteries geez. were 98 and 68% blocked. He has quit smoking for the last three weeks and has lost seven pounds and is on his way to uh, the road to recovery. So just good for him awesome. for making the changes. Anything else that you know might have to go on? I'm not sure if he's going to need surgery or what. Um, but just a shout-out to him to making those changes. Um you know, just to better himself, uh, you know, to be more healthy and um, just, yeah, good for him. It's awesome that they caught that. Yeah, that too. Completely clogged out, man. That too. Yeah. I mean, for me, I lost my dad to a pretty preventable cancer. Um, so anytime I see anybody making the proper steps to make those health changes, um, to just give their family more time with them, it's something that I really love to see. So... Kudos to him, and congrats to his family for all the many more years they're going to have to put up with him. <laughs> That's awesome. And shout yeah. out for Mrs. Hyven for running that Twitter. She always sends me and Elmas some of the best messages of people, uh, not only experiences, of course, of just like real, real, real life people who actually enjoy our podcast and like consider <laughs> us as like a group, you know? The fact that we can have people who are like that is really awesome. And she'll send us messages about how people actually consider our podcast good. And, it and, still surprises and, me. Uh, so it's just, <laughs> and it's great to hear. And right. it's really nice to be able to then to, you know, you know, uh, relate to people on a, on a human level also. I know that uh, Mrs. Hyven has been able to do a lot of that through a lot of our followers. So thanks for, for running that. And guys, give Elmas some emails. I know they're hard to write, but... <laughs> I'm going to start emailing Elemis from my work email. <laughs> Twitter has just become such an easy way to just share some of your it quick is. thoughts. It's an amazing so. platform to really get to reach out and know people who actually listen to us and talk to them. And and the cool thing is, is that like I follow them. So I get to see everything that they're tweeting and learn just little bits about them. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago that I posted the question about what is destiny meant to you specifically because of another follower's tweet um, about how the game had helped him so I get to learn so many cool things about so many different people and um, just the community that's around us in fact I was telling somebody today I am not the lore master out of this group to say the least I said I'm I'm just Hyven's wife I'm just a wife who found a way to enjoy and love something <laughs> that her husband also loves through the beautiful writing of the lore you know it was just a beautiful bridge to something that <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first time we were still dating and I was trying to describe describe to her what the word lore meant and what that meant in like the game sphere and everything and I remember when you first realized that like whoa wow okay this is actually a thing like story and all that 
Yeah, uh, but you know, and it was cool because I also, what I remember about that time was you telling me about the podcast that you listened to and how those podcasts really helped you to appreciate D1 more than a lot of other people like knew to appreciate it because they didn't have the lore. And I remember how happy you were just to get to like... Man in a lot of the lore podcasts. Yeah, and out. I just remember how excited yeah. you were to get to share that with me. And like that sparked something in me from the start to like have this interest because I could see how happy it made you. And just like, look how far we've come and how happy it makes all three of us. <laughs> and how... We get to share a little bit of that happiness with others, and it's really cool. Like I said, I'm just a wife who found something to find interest in her husband's interests. And you couldn't tell. I mean, I got a second Xbox, and I was like, babe, you have an Xbox now. you got to name yourself. Uh, just just do what misses whatever your name is. <laughs> No, no, so it started with another friend, though. (laughs) That was Rubber. No, so Rubber Duckzilla is an old clanmate of Hyven's. And it's hysterical because he knows, like, all of my names because I've gone by my first name, my middle name, everything. But he initially called me Mrs. Hyven because it was just easier. (laughs) So, yeah. No, and when I had to create one, I was like, I like it. Let's just do it. And he's like, do you want the one, two, three, four? And I was like, no, that's stupid. I don't like that part of your name. I just want the hyphen. (laughs) One, two, three is just there because I needed something, man. (laughs) I want to change my my uh, screen name, gamertag, all my stuff all the time, but I can never think of anything good. And now it's Hyven and Mrs. Hyven, so I think I'm stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Pretty much. If you change, you have to pay to change mine. <laughs> it's free yeah. for the first go, but, you know, that's not the point. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's all we have. Um, just as another general reminder, be kind to one another. Um Especially behind those screens. It's an easy place to be mean. Uh, so really make an effort. Don't be mean remember. behind the screen. Ex- exactly. But yeah, oh just make an effort to... I am uh, proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Be fully aware of the impact you can really have on somebody's day. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, goodbye. Take care. See ya. Bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. <laughs> it's on. We can see. There's a light. Well, you froze, so you just looked like you were in shock. You still kind of look like you're in shock. I'm still frozen. <laughs> but anyway, whenever you're ready. Obviously. I'm fixing my camera. Want everyone to admire that great stitch work. Brown to brown leather. It's black for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Man, I froze again. I'm not still pondering okay, my thoughts. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here going, man, that, that's some headache. <laughs> Just burst into tears. Really make this. I don't know why that thing's doing that. We might as well, you don't even use the tablet anymore. We might as well just flip it over and.
look at yourself at the back, but then you wouldn't be able to see us, so it wouldn't be as cool. Anyways, it literally froze the second I flipped it. Well, at least doesn't you don't like, look like you have a headache anymore. Doesn't like Skype. <laughs> Apparently, I looked up. Okay. You're unfrozen for, for a little bit. Strago pose that you like. <laughs> Give me one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, well, oh. that's what we're stuck with. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Okie dokie. Right. Wow. Mrs. Hyphen has been happy for a while. And slightly <laughs> high. Yeah, looks like. you know. All right, so podcast news. I have a lot yeah, of bullet sorry. points to read, y'all. Um, I'm going to try and read it with a little more enthusiasm because I have been an Elmas make fun of me all the time. All right, for starters, as always, we encourage feedback. Wait, they might not know what we're listening to. You forgot to say this is Guardians of Lore. Great, I'm sorry. I'm so horrible at this. They can't, what if they can't read the name, you know? Right. I think what I said it like episodes ago. Yeah. yeah they accidentally was, click on this? Like if they didn't already search it and click on it and find the episode. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> this is Guardians of Lore. Somebody come get this monster. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. Okay. That'll go into the loopers. Anyways, I'm going to pause and go back in. That's what she said. Anyways, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Oh I'm sitting here being good. I'm like, now ooh, I, blooper, I, for sure. I, I could definitely say something. And all of a sudden, you said it. I'm like. <laughs> I just, I was like, I couldn't help it. Okay, but for real. angry and proud. <laughs> why, are you, why are you laughing at me? I said giggles. I wasn't Not laughing you. at you. Oh, I, my, I have it as, um, like, I have your name as just paste gotcha. when I was pasting for who was reading, and apparently it just accidentally pasted in twice. So just said Elemis, Elemis this week. Elemis, Elemis this week! No, that's why. Sorry. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so, um, hey, Kona, can we not chew on that pellet? That'd be cool. No? We're going to eat that pellet? All right. Well, it's keeping her quiet. <laughs> Are we going with Orion? Orin? Orin. Okay, thank you. Orin. Why was this not in my words to look out for? Because it's spelled phonetic- phonetically already. If you could see me right now, I'm flipping. The word it. or and the word in. Orin. I hate you both. Moving on. <laughs> Especially if one of them is in grandma's voice. what was the one that was the cousin always together never touching never touching (laughs) oh my goodness yeah you did that in your southern voice Uh, no that one was grandma oh that's what it was that's why it sounded so weird always together never touching I haven't gone back and listened to that bye 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 this is Marianne your grandma bye bye 
She like signs off her phone calls. <laughs> she called me the other day to tell me her computer was broken, but couldn't remember what to call it. She was just like, um, that, uh, the thing you've been helping me with, it's, it's not working. And I've tried to do something and it's not <laughs> working. And I need you to come by. This is your grandma. Bye bye. <laughs> and I came over and she was like, I've left you messages and you didn't call me back. And I was like, Grandma, I've been sick. I'm sorry. And she's like, So are you going to fix it? Jeez. <laughs> oh, Let's get down to the important things. Right? Like, glad to see you. Fix my computer. Got emails right? to send. <laughs> ah, Grandma. <laughs> all right yep we're only just about halfway so we should yeah we're, we're like about two half. thirds uh, after this card next... we're two thirds and yeah but the last bit is more intensive than the first section so well could we there's... be done by eight though there's yeah, nine right. lore cards we've done but that. there's 45 entries total. exactly so i just mean there's just a lot in the right, second let's do it Sections. So. We should. We got to be done by eight. We do. Yeah, my mom just told me that if I met her and my sister for pedicures, I could get a free pedicure. So <laughs> important. So we will breeze right through this for that pedicure. It's free. Just oh my god, read. read. Why did you right. even a B? It was an accident. Okay, just stop talking. The monsters are at my door. Massively at my door. Kelly is trying to kick it down. I'm going to start reading. You could take care of that. Well, I thought you were just going to let him in. Okay. God, no. And when he speaks, he does it deftly, without condensation. Condensation. Yeah. Just, it's a very different it word. I just... And I was like, that's, that's cup sweat. <laughs> Haven't we had this conversation before? Oh. Yes, she's definitely just randomly yelled cup sweat repeatedly in the podcast before. <laughs> Feel strongly uh, about the cup sweat. Sorry, I was just trying to figure out why it started with wolf. We're like woof, I guess. I don't <laughs> Woof. Where's Callie and Kona when you need them? You should just like edit in a bark. <laughs> no, it doesn't say bark. It says woof. Anyway. Very different. It's a big dog bark. <laughs> I knew you, Orion says. Orin says before Mara can speak. Not a question. Yeah, I realized that afterwards. Shh. So, ra ra ra, ah ra ra. Um, <laughs> I just realized I shook my table way too hard. <laughs> At least nothing fell over. I'm sorry, yeah. I just thought you said, I just, you said shook your table, but I just heard, I just, no, yeah. and I thought you were about to say, I just, no, yeah, myself. <laughs> I was like, geez, you were excited. <laughs> oh, man.